Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. If you have a Bible, turn to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Let me pray, and then we're going to look at Romans 10, uh, verses 14 through 17 this morning. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the clarity of your word. Thank you that because of your word, we can have a saving relationship with you, Father, through Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, thank you that you bring us from spiritual death to spiritual life. And thank you that we have good news to share. And would you help us? to be able to share the good news with those around us that you love so dearly who don't yet know you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today is our final sermon on our, our title of the series has been Church on a Mission. So taking our mission statement, love God, love others, and reach the world. Today is the final uh, message in the series, and it's really a part two of what started last week in the reach the world part. So we're going to consider... What is our calling as Christians and as a local church to share the good news of Jesus with others? And often this can be the most intimidating category for Christians. So last week we talked about why it's so important to live a godly life and live our lives for Jesus. And when we do that, oftentimes the watching world will ask questions, as we saw in 1 Peter for the reason of the hope that we have inside of us. But today we're going to talk more about the actual content of sharing the gospel. I'm going to read a, a quote, and, and you might have heard it in, in several um, different versions, but it goes something like this, and you can keep it projected for a bit. Preach the gospel at all times. Use words if necessary. Or you might have heard, preach the gospel... And if necessary, use words. So the quotation is a little different than most quotations we put up there. Oftentimes people attribute this to St. Francis. That's why I put not St. Francis of Assisi. He, he lived in the 12th century. Um, and from what scholars have, have studied, he did not say this statement. But raise your hand if you've ever heard a version of that statement. So look around. So at least half the room has heard that statement. Preach the gospel at all times. Use words if necessary. So you don't have to respond to this, but think about it. Is that a true statement for Christians? Is living for Jesus enough? Because the sentiment behind the statement is you should live for the Lord if you've been saved by the Lord. But what might be missing from that quotation? I think at its best, if we're going to be charitable, that statement at its best is incomplete. It's missing something very significant. At its worst, it, it gives Christians a justification to never talk to people about Jesus. So what we're going to do with that statement here in a moment is we're going to look at our passage and we're going to let the Apostle Paul challenge the statement, preach the gospel at all times, 
Use words if necessary. What might the inspired Apostle Paul do with such a statement? Look at Romans 10, verses 14 through 17. How then will they call on Him whom whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him in whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. What we're going to see this morning, while it is vital to be consistent, to walk the talk, so if you say that Jesus is your Lord and King, we should seek to be obedient to what that means, and and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we're, we're slowly being changed by Jesus. But we're never going to reach the world unless we share and tell the world about the good news of Jesus. The big idea here is, since the gospel is good news, we must share it. Since the message of Jesus is good news, we actually have to tell that good news. We're going to look at at three points from this passage, and the first one is this. We must go and tell people the good news of Jesus. We must go and tell people the good news of Jesus. Paul, in this passage, is asking really five rhetorical questions. And oftentimes in the Bible, when there's questions, they they build upon each other in a progression. These questions are actually opposite. They are regressive. They they kind of step down. So rather than picturing steps going up to a big point, he starts at the top and walks down the steps to make the point. So we're going to walk through those questions. And the questions are this, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without a preacher? This may seem super obvious, but no one can call on the name of Jesus if they don't know who Jesus is, if they have not heard about Jesus. In Romans 10.13, right above the passage we're looking at this morning, the Apostle Paul um, writes this, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone and anyone, no matter who you are or what you have done, if you call on Jesus as Lord and King, recognizing He is fully God and fully man, died as a substitute in your place on the cross and rose on the third day. If you believe that, your mind and your heart, you will be saved. But in order to do that, you have to know about Jesus. You have to have heard about Jesus. R.C. Sproul, uh, the well-known pastor and theologian who's written very deep and profound things, writes this very simple and clear truth. No one is going to hear about Jesus unless somebody tells them. No one is going to hear about Jesus unless somebody tells them. 
That is a simple and really clear truth. You don't have to know much to understand that truth. And the question we're considering is, how can we reach the world for Jesus? Well, we have to be persuaded in order to reach the world, they have to hear about Jesus. They have to know about Jesus. How can someone call on someone that they do not know? Think about some of your closest friends in life. The reason they're your friends, especially your really good friends that you really trust, is because you know them. And because you know them, you're able to trust them. And the greater degree that you know them, the more you trust them. I have a really good friend that I've known since I was five. His name is Clinton Montoro. He lives in Shippensburg. Um, he's the closest thing I have to a brother. I, I, I trust him with all my life. Well, why do I trust him so much? Because I know him. I know how he responds to all kinds of life pressures and situations. He's a true and lasting friend. Now, like us, he's, he's imperfect. He's not the Lord but you got to know about him. You wouldn't trust my friend Clinton like I would. He would look like a total stranger. He's 6'5". He's a big guy. He might be somewhat intimidating looking. But as you know more about him, and maybe you take my words and my experience with him, you might trust him more. In a much grander scale, that's how it is with Jesus. We have to tell people who Jesus is what he's like, why he came to earth, what he's done for them. This week, I was here at a meeting on Thursday night, and I had a little bit of time, so I stopped over at IUP, and they have the, the weekly meeting for FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. So I just went in and, and kind of sat in the room for a bit, and Aiden McCoy, our worship, one of our worship leaders here, was leading worship there, and uh, Melvin Jenkins, who is the pastor of Victory, Christian Assembly was preaching, and about 100 student-athletes are hearing about Jesus. It's a beautiful thing. So he's telling them truths about Jesus, and they're listening. As they're listening, faith rises, and confidence in Jesus rises. If you were here two weeks ago, we had our annual meal for missions where we watched a video of all the missionaries we support. And then this room was filled with tables of about 14 different ministries and organizations of, of people that are giving their lives to reach the world for Jesus. Some here in Indiana, some at the most remotest parts of the globe to people that have never even heard the name of Jesus. Well, why would they do that? Why would they respond to God's call and decide, this is what I'm going to do? I'm going to devote my life to telling teenagers about Jesus. I'm going to devote my life to learning a language and a culture that I know nothing about so I can tell people about Jesus. Why would they do that? Because they've experienced God's love through Jesus. They know Jesus is the only way to salvation. And so they want to share that good news. Well, we are called to do the same thing. And how are they to believe in Him of whom they have not heard? See, the gospel, the word gospel means good news, and it's the good news of Jesus. I want to read um, three plain passages of Scripture 
that that talk about different aspects of the gospel. Because if we're going to share the gospel, we really got to believe it and understand it and be able to articulate it. Uh, This is 1 Corinthians 15.1. Now, I would remind you, brothers, brothers and sisters, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance. There is nothing more important than the good news of Jesus. What I also received, that Christ, that's Jesus' title for the Old Testament Messiah. He is the Messiah that was promised. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. In accordance with the Old Testament Scriptures that predicted that He would come. That He was buried He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. And that He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom were still alive as Paul wrote this, though some had fallen asleep. Then He appeared to James and then to the apostles. So He's summarizing the Gospel to the church in Corinth, which was a messy group of Christians that, that had been saved out of sinful lifestyles and were, were starting to follow Jesus. And near the end of the letter, he wants to remind them of the most important thing. Jesus Christ is the hope of the world, the hope of salvation. Jesus, fully God, fully man, died to pay for our sins. Paul says this at the beginning of 1 Corinthians, And when I came to you, brothers... I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. In Paul's day, there were professional speakers. It's like, I'm not one of those. Here's what I did. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech... And my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So he resolved. He resolved to know nothing but Jesus. He wanted them to know Jesus and the goodness of God's grace revealed in Jesus. And centered to knowing Jesus is understanding when He hung and bled and died on the cross, He was absorbing the wrath of God upon Himself for all who would trust in Jesus for their salvation. In other words, we we really have two options. Either you take the punishment for your sins before a holy God, you face Him based on what you've done and how much you've done and if you've been able to make the standard, And none of us can make the standard. Or we hide behind Jesus, covered by His perfect righteousness. Clothed, justified, declared righteous because of what Jesus has done for us. See, this is really, really good news. And if we're going to reach anybody, first we have to marvel in the the fact that we are recipients of this good news. And then we want to share that good news. One more verse along these lines. College students, this is basically in the book of Romans. What I'm about to read is the thesis statement for the book of Romans. 
So when a, a professor tells you that you need a tight thesis statement, it's, you, and then you've got to defend the thesis statement. It's got to be clear, and it's got to be concise, and it's got to be compelling. This is his thesis statement for the book of Romans. And then the 16 chapters that follow, or 15 chapters that follow, are defending the statement. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek, to the non-Jew. For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. This good news is powerful. This good news, when shared and believed and responded to, changes lives. Not only does it change individual lives, it changes entire family trees. It, it, it can end a, a family tree that is, is prone to addiction and abuse and sorrow and tragedy. As God saves one, then He saves another and another and another and another. And then the family tree that was once this story of complete brokenness becomes this beautiful story of redemption, of God taking what is broken and making it whole and making it right. We have really good news to share. But it's hard to share the gospel, right? It's intimidating. We, we know the verse I just read. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, but at times we, uh, well, I feel a little ashamed, or at least I'm maybe not ashamed, but I care not to, to open my mouth right now and tell somebody about Jesus. I want to help us think through that. So the destination, if we're going to reach the world, is to introduce people to Jesus. That's the goal. That is one of when God saved you, when you became his son or daughter, you became his ambassador, his representative, and part of that, that calling is introducing others. He wants the family to get bigger and bigger and bigger. I want to give you an analogy. I live north of town. So I live about seven miles north of town near Musser's Nursery. And from my house, there are several ways I can get to Pittsburgh. I can go south on 119 and then go to 22 and 376. I can get to Pittsburgh. I can go um, from my house to 286 and go the back way and eventually get to Pittsburgh. I can actually go north on 119, go on 85, go to Route 28, and get to Pittsburgh. So if the goal on a Saturday is we want to go to Pittsburgh, we have some options. If the goal is to introduce Jesus to the lost and broken world, there's only one way to be saved. But as you're sharing the gospel you can take different routes to get to Jesus. Let me give you some examples. Mark Dever, a well-known pastor in the Washington, D.C. area, um, has written a book on evangelism that's really helpful. And he, he basically sums up, when you're sharing the gospel, here's the four main components you want to think about and you want to talk about and you want to you help people think about. It's God, man, Jesus, and response. God, Man, Jesus, and response. Who is God? What is he like? What is his character like? Who is man? Who are, who are humans? They're created in the image of God. 
And they're fallen. They're born with a sinful nature. Who is Christ? Who is Jesus? He's the Savior and Redeemer of the world. And then response. What, what do we do with that? So keep the picture of you're in my driveway. you got a bunch of ways to get to Pittsburgh. You're talking to a friend. You're talking to a coworker. You're talking to a neighbor. And they, they, they bring something up like, isn't this a beautiful day? So I would revisit my, my three main things, and I would start with the character of God. It'd be an opportunity to talk about who made heaven and earth. And you could do that either by telling or by asking. Most common in most friendships and relationships, the entry point often to share the gospel is the human condition. Either they are experiencing the brokenness of this world personally or by a close friend, or they're experiencing the emptiness of this world. I, I thought this would make me happier. I thought I would be more satisfied when I got married. I, I thought I would be more satisfied when we got our new house. I thought I'd be more satisfied when this happened. And, and it, it, it doesn't satisfy. Well, if the goal destination is Jesus, or the goal is to get to Pittsburgh, well, you can take different roads to get there. You can take the road of, oh, you know, only Jesus will satisfy. You can tell them the story of the, the woman at the well, that she had five husbands. The man she was now with was not her husband. And Jesus says, only living water will satisfy you. So you, you want to think through those things. And then you want to, want to explain who Jesus is, that He is fully God and perfect man. And sometimes... If you're like me, you get to Pittsburgh really fast. Pushing the speed limit a little bit. You're like, is that, that 10 mile per hour thing, is that, is, that, is that something Christians should think about or not? You're, you're rest, but you're getting there quick. Sometimes you're not in a hurry at all and you're taking the slow road. Now, I haven't done this, but technically you could walk to Pittsburgh. So I think of different friendships and relationships I have with different people that don't know the Lord. Some of them are like the slow walk to Pittsburgh. We're going to talk. We're going to talk about life. We're going to get to know each other. And I'm going to have those components. God, man, Jesus, response in my mind as I'm talking through things. All with the, the idea of I want to introduce them to Jesus. Sometimes we'll just take a longer route. And, and the beauty of the verses that we shared, the power is in Jesus and the good news of Jesus. I've messed up sharing the gospel so many times. I've said really stupid things uh, trying to share the gospel. You get nervous. You say something dumb. Um, and the Lord, despite even those failed attempts, has honored attempts to bring people from spiritual death to spiritual life. So we must share the gospel with others. Second point, we must equip and deploy gospel proclaimers. We want to help you. We want to help you share the gospel. We want to help every church member, everyone who calls Saving Grace their home, to, to be able to share the gospel. So if you're intimidated, we want to have questions, and we want to, want to work things through with you. Some of you are going to be called to do this as a vocation. It could be in pastoral ministry. It could be in campus ministry. It could be as a missionary somewhere far away from this location. We, we want to help you. And we want to deploy you. We want to send you out. 
Look at our verses again, 14 and 15. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe on him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. R.C. Sproul once again says this that I think is really helpful with evangelism and making disciples. Not everyone in the church is called to be a missionary. So you got that? Not everyone in the church is called to be a missionary. But every member of the church is responsible to make sure that the missionary activity gets done. We all have a part to play in that endeavor. You can say the same thing about not everyone is called to be a pastor. Not everyone is called to be a worship leader. Not everyone is called to work for a campus ministry. But we all have a part to play. I mean, many of you, those of you who have been long-term members, were instrumental in me even figuring out what is the Lord calling me to do? We had a visitor um, last week who lives in Virginia who 25 years ago was part of the church and he was part of me trying to learn how to preach. And, and I remember one Sunday, I told him this last Sunday, that he was so encouraging because I was just a nervous wreck of a mess. And I was trying to tell people about Jesus, but I was tongue-tied and, and, and just not able to do it very well. Uh, but he, he encouraged me. So he was playing a part. Encouragement is a huge part in equipping people to grow in the gifts and abilities God has given them. So you can do that no matter what age you are. You can encourage, you can pray for one another. Obviously, when it comes to missions, there's lots of money that that needs to be raised. You can participate in supporting those who are called and who are raising support. You can be committed to, to writing emails to them and calling the missionaries that we're connected to and just giving them encouragement and praying for them in deep and specific ways. See, we want to equip and deploy gospel proclaimers, whether that's in your workplace, at school, at IUP, whatever school that you go to. Because here's the beautiful thing. Look at verse 15. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. This is a direct quotation from Isaiah 52.7. And the context of that quotation is the Jewish people were in exile. And they, they, found, they get news that they're going to be freed from exile. So imagine you're taken from your home. And in, in their, their context in the Old Testament, you're, you're really leaving God's place which was God's presence. Now you get news that all that is going to be restored and someone comes to tell you that. They bring you the good news. They're they're the beautiful feet that is sharing this good news. Now, spiritually speaking, we are born with a sinful nature. We are born separate from God. We are born objects of God's wrath. As we grow older, you become enslaved to your sinful passions and desires. You feel trapped. You, even when you don't want to do certain things, you can't 
get out of them. And then someone comes to you and tells you, there's a way out. There's somebody named Jesus who can actually set you free. The life that you know, you can leave behind. And you can become an entirely new creation because of Jesus Christ. That is really, really good news. And that good news is, is often shared by messy people. So in this image that we get, we get a picture. Leon Morris describes it very well. The messengers might be dirty and smelly after a long, hot journey. Jason mentioned the other week of how their feet actually wouldn't have looked very good. These beautiful feet would have been not beautiful to look at. So it was representing the message. But not only that, they would have been traveling miles to bring this good news. So the messengers would have been dirty and smelly. But those who are eagerly awaiting the good news, they were beautiful. Those who bring good news are always welcome. I think one of the things that, that keeps us from telling more people about Jesus, in addition to maybe the fear of man and being afraid of what they think of, I think sometimes it's just the cares of life. It's the pressures of life. It's the weight of responsibility that you have with home life and work life and school life and relationships and friendships, and you just feel tired and, and weighed down. You will never regret telling somebody about Jesus. You will never regret. And one day when we're in heaven, by the grace of God, there will be people there, and the whole reason that they're there is because you shared the gospel with them. Won't that be beautiful? So think of the, those around you, your friends, your family, your coworkers, and start praying, Lord, give us opportunities to share the gospel. Third point, we must call people to respond to Jesus Christ. So Mark Dever's points are helpful. God, man, Jesus. So you could accurately tell people about who God is. You could accurately describe the human condition and predicament. And the, you could accurately describe the remedy in Jesus. But until you call somebody to respond, and they respond, they're not a Christian. So we must call people to respond. Look at verses 16 and 17. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. So we have to share the gospel. We have to tell people about Jesus. We have to call them to respond. Raise your hand if you've ever gone fishing. So lots of people. And raise your hand if you've ever taught a child how to fish. Okay? A little less. It takes a lot of patience, so I get it. Um, so let's say you're using a really good lure or a bait that you put on the hook. One of the first things you teach kids, and kids, this is really hard for kids to learn, is how to set the hook. So a fish can put the bait in their mouth, and you actually haven't caught the fish. You haven't caught the fish until you set the hook. So calling people to respond the gospel to the gospel is the spiritual 
equivalent of, of setting the hook. And you, you, you do it in such a way that's not this high-pressure thing, but here's, here's the reality. God is real. And you are in a great predicament. And God has offered the remedy in Jesus. But you have to respond. You have to turn from your sins and trust in Jesus. When you do, you will be forgiven and washed and cleansed. And the power of sin will actually be broken in your life so you can actually change and grow. So when we share the gospel, we want to we set the hook. We want to call people to respond. There may be some of you here this morning that when we were singing songs about the blood of Jesus applied, you were just thinking, I, I don't know what that means at all. That seems weird. It seems kind of gross. I don't, I don't get it. Well, let me tell you what it means. Jesus, when he died on the cross, he, he shed his perfect, innocent blood. And that satisfied God's holy justice perfectly. And that blood that was shed was the, the innocent blood of Jesus, fully God, fully man, that cleanses all of our sins. So think of the worst things you have ever done. The things that maybe nobody in this room knows about. That one thing that just hangs there. Jesus' blood washes and cleanses that one thing and every other thing we've ever done wrong. And so that's why we sing about it. That's why we rejoice in it. That's why we celebrate what He has done. So if you are not yet a Christian... May today be the day that you come to terms with the God who made you. And you trust in Him. You turn from your sins. You turn from maybe your self-righteousness. You might think as soon as I said sins, I, I have no sins. I'm, I'm, I'm good. In fact, I'm better than probably everybody in this room. Well, that's a different kind of sin. That's called self-righteousness. And even your goodness is flawed and tainted. And in order to have a relationship with your maker, you need to come through Jesus, who is perfect, not just in outward behavior, but in thought and speech and action. So would you, may you, plead with you to turn to Jesus. It will be the most important decision you have ever made in your life. And if you're not sure, there's a period in my life from age 18 to 19 where I would read the Bible sometimes. I'd say things like, Lord, if you're real, God, if you're real, I want to know you. I'm not sure if I even know that you're real, but I'm talking to you, so maybe there's a part of me that thinks you're real. I just didn't understand. And even those kind of prayers, the Lord responds to. Amen. Exactly. Amen. He responds to him as you move towards him. And maybe that's why you're here this morning. You're not yet a Christian, but you're being drawn. You're, you're interested. What does the Bible really say? What, what is the church really about? Ask those questions. We welcome those questions here. For those that, of you that know Jesus... Here's what I want you to do in response to this sermon. Pray for opportunities 
to introduce people to Jesus. Pray for opportunities. Lord, this week, give me opportunities. You might be thinking, well, if I pray, then he's going to give me opportunities, then I have to do it. So if you're there, then pray. Pray another prayer before that prayer. Lord, give me the desire to want to pray for opportunities to share the gospel with others. This whole series, Love God, Love Others, Reach the World, if you remember at the very beginning, it began with, we do all these things because we have been recipients of God's love. He loved us first, and now we're responding. Look at Colossians 4 here. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word, an opportunity to share the gospel, to declare the mysteries of Christ. That's the prayer. That's what we're looking for. And then pray for boldness. If you read the book of Acts, one of the primary marks of being filled with the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts was not just these spectacular gifts that we talk about. It was actually boldness. Boldness was the primary mark of being filled with the Spirit. So if you're timid, if you're sheepish about telling people about Jesus, Lord, would you give me boldness? So this week, if you're sitting in a doctor's office, if you're at work, if you're having a car problem, you're, you're sitting and waiting for your car to be fixed, if you're in a long line at the grocery store, if you're at a pumpkin festival, if you're at another football game or parade, pray for open doors to share the gospel. I want us to end with this thought. I want you to remember who the person or people were that introduced you to Jesus. Now, for some of you, maybe many of you, it's your parents or grandparents. But for others, it may not be that. Get those people in your mind. Think about the the courage that, that it took for them to first talk to you, to invite you to something, to be bold. In my grandma's case, she was... In her 70s, she had a cancer diagnosis. She was in a hospital room, and a total stranger came into her room and shared the gospel, and she responded. Born again, on the spot. Now, I was praying for her, my sister was praying for her, others were praying for her, but we weren't the ones God used to share the gospel with her. A total stranger. Now, to this day, I don't know who that lady is. My grandmother is now in heaven has been for a number of years, um, but had a vibrant faith after that, that moment. But I imagine the woman who walked into that room was nervous. Might have thought, I wonder, I wonder if she'll be receptive. I don't know what she'll think of me. But she worked through all that and just went for it and introduced my grandma, Nanny Doll, to Jesus Christ And now she is spending an eternity with the Lord because one woman was faithful to share the gospel. See, since the gospel is news, it's good news to share, we must share it. Pray for one another. This week in our small groups, we're going to be talking about this. Let's pray for one another and pray for opportunities. Let's all stand. We're going to sing a final song. Band can come up. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the the people that you sent our way when we didn't know you. We're really thankful for them. Lord, like us, they, I'm sure, were timid at times and fearful, and yet you used them. Lord, would you use us in the same way? Lord, would 
would you give us all opportunities this week to share the gospel? Would you kick the doors wide open and would you loosen our tongues to be bolder than ever, filled with love, filled with compassion, and we will give you all the praise and all the glory. We thank you for the great salvation that we've received, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.